growing in God's Word, and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But that's not entirely true, is it? Insults hurt. Have you ever been made fun of for your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever been called a name because you took a biblical position on some social issue? Persecution is not new to the church, and even in America we can face persecution for our beliefs. Persecution is something that has existed since the church was founded. The idea since Jesus went back to heaven and said, go make disciples, and this, that whole thing got started. Persecution of people for uh, their convictions is not anything new, and it's not anything that's going to end. Hello, and welcome to this week's Crosswalk. For several weeks, we've been in a series entitled Survivor, taking a look at some of the obstacles that we can face in life. Last week, Pastor Clay took us to Acts chapter 17 as we dove into the subject of surviving persecution. As we heard in last week's message, persecution varies in intensity all over the world. Men and women will be murdered today for no other reason other than they have been identified as a follower of Jesus Christ. That will happen in the world today. All over the world, thousands and thousands of people are in prison because of their belief that Jesus Christ is Savior and the only way to heaven. The persecution that followers of Jesus face in America is nothing compared to many parts of the world, but in our culture today, many followers of Jesus are ridiculed for their beliefs and moral convictions. In today's message, Pastor Clay is picking up where he left off last week, giving us some do's and don'ts for handling persecution. Let's get started. persecution comes to us predominantly, at least at this point in our culture, it comes to us predominantly in the form of, of ridicule or, or making fun of you or, or laughing at you if you say you believe that God is real or God created the, the universe or Jesus died on a cross and came back to life three days later, whatever the case may be. That is the predominant form of persecution that you and I face in our culture at this day. It it may, it almost certainly will get worse, but at this point, that's what we are facing. So that's what I want to look at. I want to look at an example of that in Scripture to hopefully say, okay, maybe I can't identify when, when, uh, when so- somebody's being sawn in two, as the writer of Hebrews says, but, okay, being called names or being made fun of for your belief or something, I, okay, I, I can identify possibly that. I, how, do, how do I survive that? We started it last week. We jump back into it this week. Acts chapter 17. I'm going to read the text again, beginning in verse 16 of Acts chapter 17. The text will be up on the screen as well uh, if you, uh, if you uh, care to look at it there. There's also an outline on the back of your program if you'd like to take notes. If you'd rather just uh, listen, do that. If you'd rather fall asleep, don't do that. If, if you can help it. Okay, you ready? Acts chapter 17 Verse 16, listen, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of 
strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Oropagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. Father God, we thank you again for the privilege of being here uh, today for, to open your word and to discuss, to look at its meaning. It, it does, ultimately, it doesn't matter what, what, what it means to me or what it means to some other person. It only matters what it means to you as you give it to us. And so, as your messenger boy, I pray that I would rightly divide your word and, and bring truth to these, your people, that they would leave this place with, with perhaps some new nugget to hold on to, perhaps a new conviction or a revelation, something that would, uh, would cause them, as I always pray, Lord, that they would leave here saying, man, that, it was good to go in and worship the Lord and to hear his word, and it wasn't a waste of my time, and I'm, I'm glad that I went. God, uh, meet each person where they are. Persecution is something that varies all over this world, and I know we as Americans need to keep in context what our persecution is uh, compared to, to other people's that can be much more severe. But God, I pray that you would help us to realize that, that persecution is something that's real, even for us, and we want to honor you through it, Lord God. So teach us the truth of your word, and I ask it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Okay, last week we started with this. I'm just going to rehash these for just a second because, you know, so now we're at the Southern Baptist Convention this week, and we had a great time. It's fantastic, the music and the preaching and, you know, very inspirational. International Mission Board, we, we helped to... Uh, uh, send commissioned 79 new missionaries uh, just right at that service uh, that going out all over the world. That was exciting. Over 5,000 missionaries serving all over the world now with the International Mission Board. Uh, that's a very exciting thing. So, so it was really good, um, and it was very inspiring. It was very convicting. It was a lot of different things, and so I've been chewing a lot of things uh, from last week. I've been chewing on those things this week, even while I was at the convention and uh, even after we uh, got back, and so I'm, I'm kind of fired up about some of that stuff, so uh, bear with me. Here we go. All right. I just got somebody's permission to, to come on. So, all right. Here we go. So, here, here's the first idea we started with last week. Here's what we said. Don't be at ease with the lostness around you. Listen, folks, I, I, I just, if I, if I, well, I could, since I'm up here, but I'm not going to do it. I, but I, if I, I, there's something I'd love to spend all the time just talking about this one idea, that, that you and I cannot be at ease with the lostness around them. I said last week, Paul's been sent down there. He's been run out of every town that, that he, he's been in. He's, he's escaped with, you know, by just the narrowest of margins, by the grace of God, his life threatening. Everybody wants to kill him and all this kind of stuff. And so a group of believers take him down to Athens and they just say, oh, Paul, just, just cool it. The rest of your crew will be along in a few days, and then y'all can figure out where you go from here and what you do. But just, just, just lay low. Just chill. Just, it'll be all right. But as we just read in verse 16, as Paul made his way around the city, as he went into the marketplace, as he went down the streets, as he went by wherever the places that he went, he was overwhelmed. He was consumed by the lostness that he saw around him. There was this burden within him. I, I, the, the word the text uses is provoked, uh, paroxino in, in the original Greek. To stimulate, to irritate, and I love that idea, to arouse to anger, to, to actually brought, be brought to a sense where he, he's angry over the lostness around him. Angry in a, in a righteous Jesus way, <laughs> okay? But, 
but it's just, it's almost maddening to him. Have you ever seen something like that? That's like, you know, you hear some story on the news or something. It's just like, man, that, that just makes me angry to hear that somebody did this or that happened or whatever. That's what happens to Paul as he walks around the city and he sees these people and he's just consumed with the lostness around him. Folks, we have to have a burden for the lostness around us. As, as I've said before, somebody's got to give a rip that the world is lost and dying and going to hell. Somebody's got to give a rip. Somebody's got to care about that. And listen, no, no evangelism class can give you this. There's no track that's going to give this to you. No, uh, no uh, outreach strategy is necessarily going to give this to you. This, this is a burden that you have to receive from God to, to, that you would look around and say, man, it matters to me that people are lost without Christ. We have to have this burden for the lost around us. Uh, there's an old saying uh, that in church circles that evangelism is more caught than taught. In, in other words, sure, we, we, I want to know how to you know, answer and tell a person how to go to heaven and all that kind of stuff. But really, the motivation to do it is more caught than taught. It's this desire to say, man, as I look around me, my heart is burdened. It's, it's provoked. It, it just makes me mad that, that the enemy is having such success in people's lives and he's keeping them from everything that God would want them to have. So connected to that was the second idea that we shared last week, and that is do be intentional about trying to engage people. Don't be at ease with the lostness around you. Don't be at ease with the lostness around you. Do be intentional about trying to engage people. And these two really are, are two sides of the same coin. Verse 17, so he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. As I said last week, Paul's not waiting for a divine appointment to come to him. And I really think, and I think I said this last week, this really, I really think it's how a lot of people approach it. Well, you know, if, if God sets it all up right and it just comes to me. Paul's not waiting for a divine appointment to come to him. Paul's going to go find a divine appointment. Do you see the difference? Paul's going to go find a divine appointment. He's going to go see where God is at work. Uh, I, I'm a believer of this. There's a Bible study that came out years ago that's all, that talked about this idea that God is always at work. Do you believe that? God is always, if, if the Bible is true, and it says that God is not willing that any should perish, and I absolutely believe that's true. Now, I understand there are people that will perish, but, but God is not willing. It's not his desire for people to perish. If that is true, then you have to believe that God is continually at work in his world. And so the question becomes, am I willing to go find where God is at work? Am I willing to engage in that work? Be willing to engage the world around us. One of the, I mentioned this last week again, I know I'm repeating myself, but one of our mantras here at Cross Culture Church is life is a mission trip. Right? Isn't that what we say? But I don't want to just say it. I want us to live it. I want us to live out the reality that I'm, I, that yes, Nate's on mission when he goes to Ecuador and stays at the Holiday Inn and there's Burger Kings and that's nice. That was a good, that's a good trip. Yes, Nate's on mission when he does it. Yes, we're on mission when we go to rural areas in, in China or Sri Lanka or, or all the different places that some of us have been all over. Sure, we're on mission then, but we're not only on mission then. We're on mission every time we get up out of bed and put our two feet on the ground and are able to breathe in and breathe out to go out with this intentionality of saying, man, 
I'm on mission today for God. I wonder if, you're, if you understand the importance of that. Life is a mission trip. To be so burdened that we would desire to do it and then to be intentional about looking for the opportunities that God would provide. I gave you this verse, I believe, last week, Mark chapter 6, verse 34. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd. He felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's the, that's the unwilling to be at ease with the lostness. And what? And he began to teach them many things. That's what it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's both of those things. It's, it's burden and, and, and then it's business. It's, 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 business. it's kingdom business and being willing to say, I'm going to engage in this, in this work. And I asked you this question last week, and I said this, that if you and I would build this discipline into our life, this habit, this whatever you want to call it, that it would, that I believe it would radically change the persecution that you face in life, it'll radically change the way you look at people. It'll radically change this church, a lot of things. If we, if we just learn to ask ourselves this question, every time we see a person, whether it's for the first time or whether it's somebody I work with every day, but I'm seeing them as I'm coming in the office this morning or into the classroom or whatever, to ask the question, where will this person spend eternity? If you're here last week, you remember that question? Do you remember that question? To, to look at a person and say, where will this person spend eternity? Listen, is that not the ultimate question? Is that not the most important thing that we could ever know about a person? Isn't it? And yet, oftentimes we never think of it. Why? Because we want people to go to hell? No. I don't think anybody would, here would say, man, I, I, I'm, I want people to go to hell. They deserve it. So do you. So do I. But by the grace of God, somebody shared with us. No, n- nobody would say, well, I want people to, to be without Christ. No, you want to, but, but what, what gets in the way? Life. This appointment, that appointment, this expectation, this workload, this stuff I got to do, this whatever, and we're running, we're here, and we're there, and we're in the store, and we're out of the store, and we're, at the, we're, we're all over the place. But we're not thinking, where will this person spend eternity? And so, I'm just telling you, I've been thinking about this all week, and so I, I'm just letting you know, I'm starting a movement. I want to start a movement. I want to start a movement. I want to start a movement. And the movement is, hashtag, ask the question. Ask Coral to, to make this for me. She graciously made one for Cindy as well. Hashtag, ask the question. And here's what I want to do. I, I, I want you guys to so have this burden. Because I'm telling you, it'll radically change your life. It'll, it'll change the way you approach people. It'll change, I said, it'll change this church. It'll fill this church up. I promise you it will if, if you will just begin, if all of us will begin to say one simple question, where, where will this guy, I'm fixing, fixing to meet in this meeting, where will this, this classmate of mine, where will they spend eternity? So I'm asking you to take up that, the challenge that I'm laying before you today. And you know what? I could ask you to raise your hands. I could ask you to say amen. I could ask you to sign a, a thing. I've done all those kinds of things before, sometimes without a lot of uh, uh, long-term fruit, to be honest with you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you, I want you to do this. And, and when, when other folks come, I'm going to tell them about it too, every chance they get. I want you to buy one of these t-shirts. If, I, if we had the money, I'd give them to you for free if you made the commitment, but we don't have the money, so I can't do it, but that's what, I, what I'll do. Coral's going to make them for us, and we'll make, we'll make them for as low cost as we can, whatever the cost is. That's, it can't be more than five or eight or ten dollars, I would think of them. Whatever it costs to manufacture, we're going we're gonna to make a bunch of them up. And I, 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 if, you're say, if, if you would say, he's right, man, that's what's going on in Paul's life right there. 
He's got every reason to be quiet. He's been threatened. He's been beaten. He's been all this stuff. He's got every reason to be quiet, but he, he can't. His heart won't let him. His spirit is stirred within him. He's got to say something. Why? Why should I be any less than that? I claim to be a follower of Jesus just like Paul did. Why would I remain silent? So I'm asking you to consider saying, you know what? I'm going to get the T-shirt. Now listen, wear the T-shirt, don't wear the T-shirt. If you wear the T-shirt, by the way, I've already had several people this morning in here say, what's the question? That's right. So you know what? If you wear this T-shirt to the gym, if you wear it to the park, if you wear it, whatever, I promise you at some point somebody's going to say, okay, I'll bite. What's the question? All right? So right there you've got an, and, and it's just an opportunity to say, oh, listen, it's this thing that our, that our church has. I go to Cross Culture Church. It's an awesome church. It meets in Leeds Road High School. They have this insane pastor, but, it, but we still go there. I still go there. And, and it's just this challenge thing we've got going on that we're trying to, to motivate ourselves to ask the question every time we meet a person, where will that person spend eternity? Listen, you, they may say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, see ya. <laughs> I just said, Jason. Or they may say, wow, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty profound question. Because why? What does James say? This life is a, is a vapor. It's a mist. It's a... F- so I, I'm asking you to ask the question. And, and I don't know how. I've got to figure out how I'm going to do this or take orders or get a bunch made up or what. I don't know. If you want one, if you're saying he's right, I will, I will take the blooming commitment. I'll make the blooming commitment just so he'll move on to the next point. But I, I'll do it. I'll do it. If you'll do it and you know you'll do it, then take your... your uh, Connect card and write your name and what size shirt you want. We'll take care of it. What? Or email info at crossculture.church. Or Tyler said something. And we'll put a thing on the website. Clearly, I've worked all of this out. <laughs> Listen, folks, I, I, I haven't. I haven't worked it out. But uh, we were sitting in the convention, and particularly during the part, during the International Mission Board, and we're looking at the vastness, the lostness, the billions of people on this planet without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I kept thinking of this, of what I had said last week, and, and, and where will this person spend eternity? Where will this person spend eternity? Where will this person spend eternity? And I thought, what, what if every one of us said, I'll ask the question. And you're, and you're not necessarily asking them. You can if they ask you what the shirt's about, but it's you making the commitment to say, I'm going to ask myself the question. I'm going to ask every time I see a person, where will this person spend eternity? That's... That's what I'm asking of you. Okay. All right. Let me, let, let me move on. Is that, that, that's, the, that's the first two, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm unwilling to be at ease with the lostness around me. I'm willing to be intentional about engaging people around me. Some people may be in a relationship with Jesus. Some may not. A, a few, well, a month or half ago or whatever, seeing I, you know, we got away for our anniversary, which is not until July, but we went on a cruise in uh, April, May, somewhere in there. And on, on, the, on the plane ride back from Fort Lauderdale to RDU, uh, a young lady sat down. I, I always try and get a window seat because I just, I do. And so Cindy graciously sits in the middle, and a young lady sat down beside us on the aisle seat. Very nice. She li- goes to school at UNC Chapel Hill. And, um, and, and my wife, and, and she's just something she's been working on. She, she knows that all of us need to be proactive about how can I engage people around. So she just begins to start a conversation with a person. You ever been on a plane and started a conversation with a person, or a person starts a plane, a conversation with you? Y'all ever been? Y'all, y'all, y'all do that? You know what I'm saying? I, I used to know this evangelist, uh, Rocky Freeman, who used to say that when he was on a plane, 
this is a story inside a story, by the way. Uh, it was on a, when he was on a plane, uh, if, if a person, if he, he was, if he was rested and he, you know, whatever, and he wanted to, and he was an evangelist, and if he wanted to talk to somebody, because invariably somebody will ask, well, what do you do? You know, if they're talking at all, much at all, what do you do? He said, if I really wanted to engage him, I wanted to talk to him, I would say, well, I'm an ambassador for a king. And people are like, really? Wow, tell me, what's that like? Tell me about it. And so he would. He said if he didn't want to talk, he would tell him he's a Baptist preacher, and that would be the end of it. It would just put a stop to it right, right then. They would just shut up. So, so Cindy's on this plane, and uh, she, she just begins to talk to this young lady, and she's, uh, she was from Florida, I think, originally, going to school at UNC, working on a postgraduate degree, uh, that sort of thing. And she, uh, during the plane ride, we ran into some turbulence, uh, some pretty good turbulence, uh, but and this girl, I mean, she's like that far from a major panic attack. She's, she's not thrilled, apparently, with flying much at all anyway. And when we start hitting the turbulence, I mean, you can just tell she's just starting to freak out. Uh, and she, I think she even said something about, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose it. I can't, I don't. And Cindy just reached over, and I think she, she put her hand on her hand, and she looked at it and said, I said, okay, well, let, let, let's just talk. Let's just talk. And Cindy just began to ask her questions about her life and what brought her to UNC. And, and, you did, and through the course of that, Cindy began to tell her about, about this church and, and what God laid on our hearts and our relationship with Christ, all that kind of stuff. And she just began to engage with her so that she got her through that turbulence. And, and she readily, she said, I, I, I don't know what I would have done if you had not been on this plane. And uh, when we landed, Cindy was able to give her an iVite card. And she said, you know what, I grew up in church. And said, I've just, I've drifted away from it. And I haven't said, I, I think God put us together on this, on this plane. And you see, uh, so all I'm saying is, if we just look, I'll talk about this more in a minute. But if we just look, man, if we'll just be intentional, God's going to do some stuff. All right? I'll talk about that more in a minute. Let me get to the third one here this morning real quickly. Don't be surprised by persecution. You want to survive persecution? Well, don't be surprised by it. Verse 18, look, look what it says. And also, some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Now, granted, this persecution that Paul faces is not even worth comparing to other persecution. This, this is like being on vacation for Paul, okay? This is... This is nothing like being stoned and left for dead as he was in Lystra. This is not even comparable to being uh, beaten with, with rods and thrown in prison like he was in Philippi. This is not even on the radar of being whipped by soldiers or attacked by mobs as he experienced on numerous occasions in various places that he went. So, so in comparison to other things that he faced, this is, this is not that much. I, I, can just, I can just hear Paul. Oh, someone called me an idle babbler. How will I ever go on? Oh, No, okay. No, this is nothing compared to what he's been through in the past. But as I said last week, this this event in Acts 17 probably most closely mirrors the type of persecution that you and I might face. I, listen, I've got to say this. I, I sure hope, I don't know how exactly how all this is going to work, but I sure hope there's no, we don't have to do any, like, scar comparisons in heaven. You know what I mean? You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, oh yeah, I, I got this one when I was stoned by an angry mob for preaching Jesus. Yeah, I got these scars on my back for, for refusing to, to reject the name of, of Christ. What about you? Well, I... I got called a narrow-minded Bible thumper one time. It, it, it really hurt my feelings. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just hoping. 
that don't listen. We don't have a, I don't have a lot of time to say as much as maybe could be said about these, these uh, Stoic and Epicurean uh, philosophers, but let me just, just tell you just a little bit about them and, and how, how God is that, that divine appointment I said Paul went looking for. Uh, let me just give you a little bit about it. Stoicism basically is a philosophy of personal ethics informed by its system of logic and its views of the natural world. For, for Stoics, the path to happiness is found in accepting this moment as it presents itself, living only for this moment, um, but with an emphasis on the mind and, and controlling the emotions. That's still a saying that you'll hear. That guy's very stoic. That's, that's what this, this comes from. That, that it, was, it wasn't so much about living in the flesh as it was just living in this moment. In, it's all about the mind and controlling your emotions and just living in, in this moment. That, that was stoicism. Uh, Epicureanism, on the other hand, is a philosophy where the pleasures of this world are the focus, and partic- they particularly frowned on anything that they considered superstitious or the idea of divine intervention. Life, basically, for the Epicureans, life is what you make it. Sound familiar? Life is what you make it. So it's no wonder that these Stoics and Epicureans begin to rail on. It's no wonder they begin to, to call him names. No wonder they call him an idle babbler, modern translation, this guy is talking nonsense. Because he was, he was saying, he was reasoning with them, remember, he doesn't, doesn't just come in and say, no, you're wrong, Colonel Sanders. He doesn't do that. He comes, he, he comes at them, he reasons in their mind with them, he begins to, now think about this, think about how this works. And he's basically saying to them exactly the opposite of what they believed. They believed that everything was about this life and, and this material world, whether it was, you know, in the mind or whether it was, no, it's the flesh. But it was basically the same thing, that this life is what you make it and this is it. And Paul's saying, that's not at all what it is. It's not about this life at all. Why in the world would you invest your, all of your time in something that is, is ultimately passing and ultimately unfulfilling? Why would you do that? Idle babbler. Listen. It's no wonder that they end up saying, man, this is a strange deity. This is a strange deity. Because Paul's saying to them, no, it's not about this world at all. It's not about this material life. It's about something uh, better than this. And, and, And bonus, God not only intervenes in the lives of men, he actually became a man. He actually came down to earth, became a man, went to a cross, suffered a horrific death, and get this, not for himself, but for the very people who put him on the cross. And double bonus, he refused to stay dead and rose again three days later, proving that the sin debt had been paid once and for all. What a strange deity. It's, listen, it still sounds strange to people today, doesn't it? That still sounds strange. That hasn't changed. Listen, we have advanced as a culture, no question about it. Man, we've put a man on the moon. Uh, we can instantly connect with people all over the world. We can create virtual worlds. But in thousands of years, very little has changed. Men are still falling for the same lie that they've always been falling for. And that is that this life is where I can be content. This life is where I can be happy. This life is where I can find it. Now, all of that is true, but it's not found in this life. It's found in Christ. It's found in a relationship with Him. Don't be surprised. Last week, we, we recognized our graduates, and particularly those who are graduating from high school. Uh, I don't think we had any graduating from college, but those who are graduating from high school. Listen, whether you're going on to college or whether you're going into the workforce or the military, don't be surprised. If you decide, I'm going I'm to live my life for Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand up and live my life for Jesus Christ. Don't be surprised when persecution comes. Well, what, what are you going to do? 
Right? What are we going to do? You can either sit down and shut up like the world wants you to and be out of God's will, or you can stand up and speak up like God wants you to and be in God's will, but you can't do both. And so we, we have to decide whether, whether this is real for me, whether I'm, I'm in this or not. And we should not be surprised by persecution when it comes. You remember these words? Maybe you've read these words. Jesus said this in John fifteen twenty. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Basically, Jesus is saying what? You think you're better than me? They never left Jesus alone. What would possibly make us think that they would leave us alone? Unless we were living our lives so concealed in our faith in Jesus that they don't even notice. And how tragic would that be? Uh, talking about Paul and his, this example here in Acts 17, the Apostle Paul himself said this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Here's why this is important. If you, if you just, if you, uh, okay, that's what God's Word says. That's what we experience in life. If you're not surprised, if you just go ahead and make up your mind saying, listen, I'm going to live for Jesus, so I might as well expect persecution at some point. It, it might be at work. It might be at school. It might cost me my job. It, it might, uh, I might get called names. I, it might hurt my feelings. This is going to happen in my life. If you just go ahead and make up your mind that that's going to happen, you're not going to be shocked when it does. And you won't be knocked for a loop and saying, oh, I don't know how I can go on. They said I was crazy. You understand what I'm saying? Don't be surprised. Persecution comes. All right, here's the, here's the last one uh, this morning. Do be ready for doors God will open. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. I'm doing good. That's the first time I've coughed. Verse 19. And they took him and brought him to the Oropagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. <laughs> Not bad for a guy that's just supposed to be laying low, huh? Remember, all of this started with a burden and an and unwillingness to be at ease with the lostness around him and an intentional uh, practice of engaging people and just talking. Hey, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How you doing? And just seeing what I'm telling, this is what I'm telling to you, folks. God is going to open doors. This is that divine appointment that Paul went looking for. Think of the irony of this. The Stoics and the Epicureans who were, who were ridiculing Paul, making fun of him, calling him an idol babbler and strange deities and, and all that stuff because he was teaching exactly the opposite of what they believed. They are the very ones who take him to the Oropagus where suddenly here's Paul standing for hundreds, maybe thousands of people, people proclaiming the, the life-changing, grace-giving, sin-removing, devil-defeating message of the cross. Just, and just, hey, come with us. Okay. The Oropagus uh, basically is, is a large rock there just outside the city of Athens. It, it, you see a picture of it there. It's, it's, it's just a big rock. And verse 21 tells us that the Athenians and really people from all over the Mediterranean region, and this would be the social elites, the philosophers, the thinkers, the wealthy predominantly. Most people had, you know, had to go work for a living, but, but this, this upper class, what Athens was known for, they would gather there at this rock, this site, and, and they would just listen to new stuff all the time. Now, they, they, they really needed to hear some new stuff. They needed to hear the gospel. It was new to them. It was the first time they were ever going to hear it. 
But it's in fact, it's an old story. Hey, God loves you. You messed up. God did something about it. Bada book, bada boom. That's basically the gospel. And here's Paul standing before, as I said, hundreds, maybe thousands of people. How many are gathered there proclaiming the message of Christ? Why? Because he was unwilling to be at ease with the lostness around him. Because he was willing to intentionally engage people around him. Because he expected persecution. It was just part of his life. And God opened doors. That's what I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen. If you and I, this is what God is looking for for, from us. That, That same burden, that same willingness to say, I'll engage, all of that kind of stuff. I'll ask the question of myself. God's looking for people who are willing to do that. And if we will do that, listen to me, God will open doors. All you and I have to do is step through them. And God will use the very persecution that we, have, that, that we see here, the very persecution that you might experience. God will use that as an open door. None of you, well, Cindy does, but most of you don't know Danny and Finger. But if my ministry has had any influence or impact on your life whatsoever, at least part of your gratitude belongs to Danny Enfinger. When I was a much younger man, I was out uh, riding a motorcycle, motocross one day with a lot of my buddies and just doing uh, stupid guy stuff. And we stopped at some point and we're sitting around and we're talking and drinking and carrying on and all this stuff. And Danny uh, came up there, came a little late, and Danny came up there And as we're just all sitting around talking, Danny took the opportunity to share something about his faith in Jesus. Those guys were merciless. I mean, they just ripped into him, laughed at him, called him Jesus freak and Bible man and preacher man and a a few other phrases that I can't repeat. And and I'm sure that I I laughed when they did because I I didn't want to get persecuted. See, I, I'd grown up in church. I, I knew all about Jesus. Matter of fact, I suspect if you had asked me, if, if one of them had asked me that day in the circle, if I believed in Jesus, I would have said, well, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But listen to me. Sitting there that day, watching those guys persecute, make fun of, ridicule, call names to Danny for his faith in Jesus was the first time I ever questioned. I, I remember the first time I ever stopped and questioned, what does it really mean to call myself a follower of Jesus Christ? What does that really look like? And that began a time of, of soul searching in my heart, eventually leading me into a relationship with Jesus Christ where he truly became my Lord and Savior and would eventually uh, surrender to vocational ministry and, and, and to preach the gospel and, in a, in a very real sense, the, the very reason I'm standing before you today. All because God opened one door because Danny Enfinger was willing to share no matter what they might say about him or do to him. See, that's what I'm saying to you, folks. That's what God will do. You and I... The Apostle Paul in Acts 17, Danny back many years ago, and you and I, if we make this commitment to say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to ask the question. Everywhere I go, every person I meet, I'm going to ask, where will this person spend eternity? I'm going to ask myself that question, and that will affect the way I, I interact with that person. You and I, and, all of, and Paul, and all that we can identify with what Joseph said about his brothers all the way back in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. Listen, you remember this? Even though you intended to harm me, God intended it only for good. And through me, he preserved the lives of countless people as he is still doing today. That's exactly the case. The the, the persecution that Paul faced opened doors that allowed him to 
to proclaim the gospel to soldiers and sailors, to kings and governors. It allowed him to write the vast majority of the New Testament that you and I hold in our hands today because of persecution. I got a statement I want to say. Maybe you want to write it down, you want to tweet it, Facebook it, shout it. I don't care. But it's just, this, this is the truth. This, this is actually, honestly, how it is. God takes opposition to the gospel and he turns it into opportunity for the gospel. That, that's, 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 how he, that's what he does. That's what, that's what the open doors are. Would Paul have ever stood before thousands at the Oropagus if, if he had done what his, what his buddies told him to? Just lay low, Paul. Just, just, stay, just stay out of it. That door would have never opened. Ladies and gentlemen, God takes opposition to the gospel and he turns it into opposition, opportunity for the gospel if you and I We'll just do the example we see here. And the persecution that we face, how do we survive it? We expect it. We, 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 we embrace it. We understand that God can use us. He'll open doors to change people's lives. And we know that in the end, the results are God's to do. Now, next week, we're going to move on into Acts, uh, the rest of Acts 17 and look a little more about the subject of persecution and get into specifics about that. But it has to start with a burden and a willingness to engage, I'm asking you to commit to ask the question. Ask the question. Ask yourself, where will that person I work with spend eternity? Where will my uncle spend eternity? Where will this classmate spend eternity? Start there and see what God does with it. The persecution the Apostle Paul faced in Athens was nothing compared to what he had faced in other cities. But whatever the level of persecution, Paul's aim was the same to make Jesus known. That should be our goal as well. Nobody likes being called names or being made fun of for our faith, but lifting up the name of Jesus should always be a priority. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, discovering how to really live in the promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I get it from Clay Stevens. They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice real. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and I want to
Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.